Ed, I'd say how you doing, but uh, you've watched us, well, draw nil-nil and then lose on penalties to Middlesbrough and draw nil-nil to Palace. H- how are you holding up? Well, since I burned my retinas out <laughs> after watching those two things, I'm pretty good, thanks, because I won't get to watch the crap in the... Ne- no, no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm doing fine. I, it's uh, It's been an interesting week, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. A month ago, we were top of the league, and it seems that the, the last couple of games have been something of a turning point in the attitude of fans towards Louis van Gaal. A, a great degree of antipathy and frustration bordering on the venomous uh, leaking out, not just from your kind of, you know, knee-jerk reaction, broad fan base, but... But those those ever loyal match going Reds uh, definitely made their feelings pretty clear, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Well, we'll come on to that in a second. Though. We we said it would might be a difficult October, I suppose, uh, and it has proven to be so. So start with the thrashing against Arsenal, the one victory, and then four draws in a row, mm. and all pretty dull. So. You know, why are the fans unhappy? Or maybe unhappy is not the right word. I think maybe frustrated is the right word. So there's a, there's a great deal of frustration. So it starts this week with Paul Scholes accusing United of, of being a side he wouldn't want to play in and it would be difficult for many strikers to play in. He listed a, a whole bunch that he played with over the years and then said uh, it's a side that lacks creativity and uh, said that uh, forward playing and, and creativity are the hardest things to coach you know so pretty personal accusation against Van Hal in a way pretty cutting I'd say rather than personal and then Van Hal reacted with hmm I don't know less than subtlety I'd say he accused uh, Skulls of only speaking out because he's paid by Sky and BBC and said he's not responsible um, and I think he meant he's not responsible for the team but it could also be another way as well and said he should have spoken to Ed Woodward or Ryan Giggs so um He's taken on a United legend, Skulls, who's played over 700 games for United. Van Hal, who's been at the club for 18 months. And uh, I'm not sure after the uh, fans started, started chanting the name of Paul Skulls at Selhurst Park, not when they were doing their rounds of uh, player chants, that Van Hal has won the PR battle there. So I guess Skulls would always win that one. And, and then after the game, I think you tweeted, actually, was it? Or put in your, your piece for Bleacher Report today. Uh, a video of the fans chanting, uh, we're Man United, we want to attack. Yeah, that started during the game, actually, but then that it, it clearly picked up. The Skulls thing is absolutely fascinating because I think some of the points he makes are valid. I certainly think some of the points Van Gaal made as a counterpoint are extremely valid as well. Like, he's right. Skulls, if he's really unhappy with the way United are playing does have avenues into the club if he wants to and and he is taking advantage of his position to earn a lot of money by saying bad things about the club from the outside in which you know I'm I'm not saying he shouldn't do that because it, it's clearly heartfelt sort of thing so I do think there's a slight six of one half a dozen in the other I also think what Skulls said about uh, strikers was just wrong I think it was just, like he said, Ruud van Nistelrooy wouldn't be scoring goals in this team. And it's like, no, that's it's just not true. <laughs> no, I think that's right. Like, there's clearly some nuance um, in this. You know, Skulls doesn't have to be, it's not binary. No, exactly. Not everything he says has to be right. So do I think everything Van Hal said in, in retort is right? Though? No, not at all. I think Skulls is, uh, has the right to have opinion of any kind, you know? And, yeah. and uh, I think I thought it was quite a low blow to try and, 
um, trash it by saying, oh, it's only because he's being paid. No, I mean, you know, he he wasn't angry. He wasn't saying he was deeply upset with the club. It, it was a question about what he thought uh, of United's performance. And he said there's no creativity. Mm. Clearly, you know, it, it's factual, isn't it? I mean, in fact, it is factual because looking today, uh, writing a piece for Rant, uh, I looked through all the numbers and, and United are... Miles off. They're 16th out of 20 in terms of number of shots taken. I think they're at the bottom in terms of key passes, so chances created. They uh, more than a hundred shots off Arsenal, by the way. You know, it says quite a lot. They're right down the bottom in terms of dribbles and take-ons, and uh, so every creative attacking metric you can think of, United are well down the bottom of the league. And the only one that's actually keeping them in the top four at the moment is the fact that they. Uh, they take the few chances they actually create, which is a miracle, really, given that uh, Rooney has two goals this season in the Premier League. Because we've started on a big general thing about the, the state of the nation at United at the moment, and I think that makes sense because that's that's the conversation in the air. And I think even that has some nuance to it because I have to say, having having watched all these terribly dull games... It doesn't seem to me that the problem is a lack of attacking intent. It seems to me that the problem is that an enormous percentage of our attacks break down at crucial moments. That that possession-oriented football isn't the same. I mean, very, very often you will hear attack, 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 attack when United are in the final third. That they are attacking, they're just not making a very good job of it. Mm. So I, I only half agree with that. Uh, if you look at, uh, unfortunately, I had some time this morning, so I actually watched the game again. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear. I mean, no, listen, yeah. right? You just those two things. That isn't A plus B equals C. There, what you've just said. No, I, I had some time, so I watched the game again. I wanted to confirm whether it was quite as bad as I felt it was. Okay. Yeah. So okay. look. Anyway, there are there are a number of occasions where United players do not break forward. Right? They don't break ahead of the ball. Yeah. So um, and and Rooney is so tactically indisciplined that is absolutely criminal. I, I mean, really, really criminal. And. Uh, you know, it's got to the point where it is negligent of Van Hal to pick him. Yeah, so absolutely. he didn't touch the ball once in the box against Palace. Uh, widely tweeted that graphic. Uh, but it's because he's all over the pitch and no players are breaking ahead of the ball. So um, there was one stage where Rooney had the ball in midfield. He dropped really deep. He basically stood on the ball and then swept the ball right. He actually didn't hit a Hollywood ball. He hit a perfectly sensible ball right but that's because there was no one ahead of him and he was in the centre circle, right? So there's just no body within the United side breaking ahead of the ball at the moment. Rooney's absolutely refusing to play as a proper number nine and and our best player, or most attacking player, the mo- the one most likely to score a goal, uh, Martial, is, is sidelined, you know, put, well, literally on the sideline. Uh, and... It's just it's just all wrong, and and that thing about not breaking ahead of the ball, not getting players into attacking positions, is definitely tactical. Mm. You know, the most ambitious side at Selhurst Park was Palace by miles. Yeah, and there's definitely an issue with the attacking play, but you have got players. I mean, like especially Martial, you've you've got players prepared to run with the ball at the opposition, and you've got players prepared to like. It's interesting that you talk about players not breaking ahead of the ball because one thing that the side is constantly being accused of is is 
passing the ball backwards and sideways. Not without uh, merit are they being accused of that. But you watch them and they're looking for a forward pass. It's not like you've got players who are not interested in passing the ball forward or have had that drilled out of them somehow and that they're prioritising a sideward pass. They're all looking forward first. But as you say, there's just not enough movement ahead of them. And how much of that is tactical and how much of it is personnel and balance in terms of selection and how much of it is to do with the fact that if you transplanted... This is the, the point that Scholes was making about Van Nistro. This is where it feels so wide of the mark because... In that system, you need your number nine to do two things. You need them to create space for the wide attackers and you need them to use the ball well. And if they're not doing one, they have to definitely be doing the other. And Rooney is very definitively doing neither of those things at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, United top of the league for backwards passes and and second for sideways passes. So I mean those aren't bad statistics though. That's the, those you know what I mean? They're, no, they're but not. they say something about the team, right? I mean, you know, United are miles ahead of second place in terms of number of passes per shot, right? So they retain the ball and and re- then retain the ball a bit more and it's almost as if they'd like to walk the ball into the net. The problem is no one ever gets into the box. So a bit difficult to walk the ball into the net. It's 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 a total mess, you know. And uh, and of course, you know, we we are probably overreacting because we've had three board draws in a row and and there's a run of uh, three winnable games now home to CSKA Moscow home to West Brom and then at home to someone outside or Watford away to Watford after that and then games against Leicester and West Ham which you presume would be a bit more difficult but you know three winnable games United could win three in a row should win three in a row I should say and maybe we'll all be feeling a bit better about ourselves but it's not going to be because there's a change of style you know even when United went through this period of scoring goals at Everton Southampton and a few other Ipswich. Sunderland. Sunderland, yeah. It wasn't like they were creating tons of chances. You know, United do not create a lot of chances. I mean, there were games in the Fergie era, uh, you know, sorry to sound like an old fogey, where United were creating sort of 30, 40 chances a game. Not anymore, right? So even at Everton, there are only seven chances created from open play. Uh, this is this is a side that does not open up, and that's all Van Gaal. Is it? Yeah. Tell me, sacrilege, I'm going to say something... Really offensive now, Paul. Yeah. Tell me that if you didn't put Jurgen Klopp in charge of this side, <laughs> United wouldn't create a lot more chances. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to argue against that. It really is. I still hate him, Scott. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. You you make a sound point, but I would equally say, tell me that if you put a functioning number nine in this system, you wouldn't create a lot more chances. No, absolutely. Look. Uh, we've already seen when Anthony Martial came into the side in September what a massive difference it made to United. He suddenly stretched the play. United were attacking force again. So you're totally right. One player can make a huge difference. So if you drop Bruni right now and, say, bring Massa or Herrera in at 10 and, and Memphis or Young in uh, on the left wing, I, I think United are a completely different side. To the point, I, and I hate to keep banging on about it, that I'm beginning to think that it's criminally negligent of Van Gaal to keep Rooney in this side. He he is harming the side right now. Yeah, this is the key problem with my argument, really, which is that it's kind of, it's not necessarily about Van Gaal's system, but it is really about Van Gaal anyway, even if it isn't about the system, which, you know, you've made a pretty compelling argument to suggest that the system is heavily culpable in this. But, you know, it's his team selection and... and 
you think about his reputation when he arrives is this kind of, you know, absolutely fearless warrior who will just drop anyone at the drop of a hat. But we saw this last season with Van Persie. Van Persie just never got dropped, even though he was playing really poorly. Um, and we now know that that was a kind of terminal decline. And it wasn't until Van uh, Van Persie gets injured that Van Gaal changes the system and we start to look good again. This is, I think I mentioned this last week, because you suggested that a visit be uh, applied to Rooney to get him injured Um, but are we in this situation where the only way he's ever going to drop Rooney is if he gets injured is there something in his contract that says he's got to play and he can't be substituted is that even a thing in 2015 football I I don't know maybe only on football manager it it seems really weird I I don't think I mean it's not on football manager (laughs) I mean cruelly I did tweet that United were one broken metatarsal away from being a decent side and uh you know, hey, hopefully. The, the thing is, as Rooney pointed out, actually, quite recently, he doesn't get a lot of muscle injuries and he's not going to get one right now because he barely runs. I mean, he was strolling around. There were times at the end of that game where Palace players were storming past him and he just wasn't even moving. Uh, he was barely running at that time that Martial put the ball through. Beautiful slide roll pass from Martial, by the way, in the first half and Rooney was treading water trying to catch up with it. Hey, you know, you know, I listed a bunch of things that Martial could do last week. I forgot inch perfect slide roll pass. <laughs> Although there were a couple which he overhit yesterday as well, yeah. which was like, no, not now. Just getting his radar right. Uh, so, hey, look, but back to the previous point. He might be 19, he might be raw, but he's a top class number nine, right? And why on earth, why on earth, when you don't have another top class number nine, would you not want to play him there? And, you know, right now, United have only one world-class player, and that's David De Gea. And, and we've got a couple that have got potential, you know, and Martial is definitely one of those. And Rooney's on the downturn. Um, and, and this is why I'm saying it's criminally negligent. You know, he might have scored however many 200-something goals for United. He might be the, his country's leading scorer, but that's all in the past. You know, and this isn't about hating Wayne Rooney. This is just he's so ineffective for United is causing a real problem. So is it even worth talking about the specifics of the Borough game? We haven't even got to the football yet. We've had 25 minute rant at the beginning of the game. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the Borough game. Come on. Okay. so as soon as the team sheet was announced, it was extremely clear that all talk of taking the League Cup seriously was total nonsense because he played Sergio Romero. Now, when when Van Gaal is resting De Gea you know something really serious is going on. A a peculiar decision and one which, I don't know, he talked about players being in the red zone. Surely De Gea wasn't one of those. Yeah, he doesn't do an awful lot of running around, does he? I mean, you know, I'm not saying he's lazy, but (laughs) maybe it's mental fatigue, but goalkeepers shouldn't get physically fatigued in the same way, you'd think. So yeah, a little strange. And they played a lot of youngsters up front, which in a way was a brave decision, in a way pointed to perhaps a more flexible formation up there. Um, it didn't help, did it? You know, United really weren't any more creative and it was it was a really, really dire game, except for about 10 minutes of extra time when it opened up. Yeah, just the last, the last few minutes of normal time as well. Oh, and of course, the most remarkable thing that's ever happened in a football match happened. How can we not talk about it? If you haven't read Andy Thomas's like 600-word analysis of the blint own goal that was cancelled, uh, stop, pause this, go and read that on SB Nation, then come back and carry on listening. Um, 
a, a comedy of errors of near unparalleled proportions. First of all, a Middlesbrough player gets the ball nicked off him by Fellaini and Fellaini goes to clear it but gets his feet wrong so it bounces backwards towards United's goal. Then a Middlesbrough player manages to flick it out of his feet with a back heel into the path of his mate who um, hits what looks like a very, very savable shot towards Sergio Romero, Romero. But no, Romero somehow misses it and it bounces off the inside of the post and back out to Daly Blint who's got no one for miles around him and is very safe to comfortably and using all of his football intelligence clear the ball to safety but instead he absolutely spanners it into his own net um, and you know that he didn't know he was offside because he grabs his head in both hands in that moment immediately like what on earth have I just done and then it's all all right uh, it was a world-class finish Undoubtedly, I mean, from such an acute angle, and he didn't hold back. He absolutely levered him. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually wanted it to be a goal because you know he's been robbed of that moment now. Uh, Romero also uh, contributing a, a near farcical own goal by missing a back pass, which sadly narrowly trickled wide. I say sadly because we'd have been spared uh, having to stay up late to watch those penalties. Yes, <laughs> oh dear Romero. I, they, I, it just just makes me think back. That moment makes me think back to all those people who are arguing that he would be a good replacement. In fact, some people were saying he was a better goalkeeper than David Gea. Well, David James said that like three weeks ago. <laughs> I, I know David James has clearly gone prematurely senile. There were actual people, actual United fans, arguing this. Actual, real ones, real. Yeah, it, it does not. It almost doesn't compute as much as actually playing Wayne Rooney at the moment. <laughs> um, Rooney came on at half time in that game for James Wilson because that was what the game needed. <laughs> that one felt like a low blow. Sorry, everybody. That that one felt unnecessary. I think all the previous Rooney bashing this week was entirely justified by events, and it isn't actually Rooney bashing, but his analysis. That one, I'll acknowledge. I hold my hands up. I deserve a yellow card for that one. God, I mean, imagine you're James Wilson, right? You're, you're you're desperate to get a few chances. He's barely played this season. He's a young player. People have a you know lot of belief in James Wilson. He needs to grow. He needs games. He gets a game in the the Capital One Cup. And, and what happens to you? You bring on oh, geez. I mean, he was he was injured. Wilson was so that's like it wasn't like he was swapped for playing badly or anything yeah look there were other options they could have played like Sergio Romero up there yeah um, uh, Lingard kind of grew into the game later on and, and as did Pereira uh, who took his penalty in a manner which embarrassed his more senior colleagues Michael Carrick playing in midfield who I think might be entering the career red zone many have been prematurely accused of entering the career red zone but I I wonder about Carrick. The last two games he's played, Arsenal, Borough. Not not been good, but he's not playing a lot. So he, he's probably a little rusty as well. But yeah, he wasn't good. Uh, he may he may well be on the downturn. When when does his contract run out? I think it might be in the summer, actually. So right. I, won, I wonder whether we'll get a new one. We might be seeing uh, uh, end stage Carrick. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, anyone else worthy of a mention in that game? Borough? No, I I, I don't think so. Yeah, well, yeah, no, we can we can mention Borough. Borough gave it a real go, you know, and uh, defended very well. Well, they they've only conceded eight goals all season, so they're um, they're a very good defensive unit. Karanka, as you'd expect of a, a fine international defender. Well, you call him he had one cap for Spain. That's an international defender. It is. Ayala was absolutely superb for them, as was Friend in their backline. I've been playing Championship Manager oh one oh two. 
So seeing Ayala as centre back was like a weird moment where I had to double check. Wait a minute, it's not a seventy-year-old Roberto Ayala, is it? It wasn't. Mind, mind you, if you're, you're marking Wayne Rooney, you can be a seventy-year-old. Oh, God. <laughs> sorry, so, very sorry. It's gone too far. The, the point is now it's got to the point where it's extremely clear that surely nobody can be defending Rooney's performances. Actually, that's. Amazingly, not the case. People are still saying he should be playing in a different position. Rude Hullet on match of the day, to, uh, match of the day uh, last night, apparently said, "I didn't see this for myself. I'm, I'm quoting." Um, said, "You can see that Rooney doesn't want to be playing in that position, meaning number nine. It's like, well, he shouldn't have said about a thousand million billion trillion times, I want to play in that position,' should he? No, but but I mean, Rude Hullet was." You know, it wasn't very articulate in trying to say something which is true, right? So Rooney will not play as a number nine. He he might say he wants to play as it, but he was wandering all over the pitch. Yes, uh, we've had a we've had a rank cast question from at Ryan Ryan Dino seven, which says if Rooney's apparent best position is in behind, can we not start him in behind Van Gaal and Giggs? It's good. It's a well worded bit of uh, Rooney based word play there. Very good. Very good. Uh, look. Look, a lot of negativity about Rooney, but we should give him some credit too. He had 100% of United shots on target against Palace. <laughs> shots on target. Yeah, it was not particularly impressive. A free kick, which didn't take a lot of saving. Free kick, stroke, back pass. I'd like to give Wayne Rooney some genuine credit, though, which is that I think the people who are saying he's not trying and the fire's gone and, you know, it, we need to drop him so we get the hunger back. I think he's absolutely desperate to do well. That's the my read of his body language is that he's really, really, really wanting to make an impact and his legs are not doing what he wants them to do. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, he, he cuts a frustrated looking figure for sure, but then he cuts a frustrated looking looking figure a lot of the time cuts quite a large frustrated looking figure right at the moment it, just that, that slow-mo of where he's trying to get the three ball from Martial where not only is he blowing hard but he, he appears to be wobbling around a bit well I mean I, all I, I was just trying to say something nice about him to counteract all the all the kind of negativity about it which is just that I don't think that that there's any question of lack of desire basically no I, I know just a cheap low blow but hey it's just to wind up all the people who uh, don't like that kind of thing. Uh, story this evening in the Telegraph that Rooney may switch to Adidas in a quote unquote Telegraph multi million pound deal. Yeah, he wants to be on. Really? The, he wants to be on the posters, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. It's, it's sad for him. He goes to Old Trafford and looks up at the big poster on the thing and says, "I want to break expectations too." <laughs> hashtag. Yeah, hashtag. Yeah. So the Borough game, the penalties were just. Uh, they were just embarrassing, dire, <laughs> childlike, uh, entirely unsurprising. Inevitable. Yeah, well, you'd, you'd expect character to have a bit more composure than to smack it into the stands. But I, I, I have to say, very rare is is where I'll call it before a penalty, and like because you know people always do that. Or oh, I don't think he's going to score or whatever. But this one, it was just like as soon as he was stepping forward, I put I had my hands over my eyes, like oh no, this isn't. But but you did know that Pereira was going to score. No, I didn't. I, the, goal, I, the guy's cool. Come I on, no he can idea. really strike a ball as well. You know, <laughs> fantastic. I think anyone who could who, who can hit the ball as cleanly as Pereira is going to take a good penalty. And, and then Rooney, you know, he's going to miss because actually he misses a lot, like uh, nearly sixty percent 
or something like that. He has not missed nearly 60% no, no. of the penalties. He's, he's scored 60%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is very a very long way down the list of top penalty takers, by yeah, the way. Yeah, absolutely. So that game was over and it was brutal and I kind of thought we'd bounce back pretty effectively against Palace because he sort of thought, well, he's played Romero. This is obviously not a game he cares about. Uh, it was nice to see Memphis on the starting in the starting eleven. It was not nice to see what Memphis did on the pitch. A player who is really, really struggling to bed in, and uh, didn't do his his status any good in that game. Lots of lots of fans already calling him a flop and all this kind of nonsense about a young kid coming over from Holland. Uh, not everyone can be Anthony Martial, but um, but yeah, he's he's uh, really really struggling to bring his bring his ability to bear on games, isn't he? Well, he is. And, um, you know, but he's got 27 goals in the Dutch is the Dutch league. But there's clearly something about him if he puts up those kind of numbers and a load of assists as well. So um, the the accusations are extremely premature. He's he's adjusting to the physical nature of the Premier League. He's adjusting to a new country. He's adjusting to new expectations. He needs to adjust to the professionalism required of a player at Manchester United as well. You know, and I hope Van Gaal help him or perhaps Ryan Giggs. Um, who knows the temptations, I suppose, will help him along the way with that thing. So it's extremely, extremely premature. Look, would you would you accuse Jesse Lingard of being a flop? I mean, he's older than Memphis. He's barely played for United, not really achieved much. No, of course you wouldn't, right? So um, I think the, obviously the amount of money has increased expectation and Anthony Martial's explosive start to to life at United has has, uh, kind of shown fans what can be achieved. But Martial's an exception, not the rule, you know. And many, many players have come to United and struggled or come to England and struggled, and especially young ones. Absolutely. And also Martial did cost about twice as much as Memphis as well. So the fact that he's played twice as well is, uh, you know, well, probably a lot more than twice as well. But anyway, talking of players, young players that have struggled when they came to England, Cristiano Ronaldo didn't have a particularly easy time in his first season, did he? And apparently was 99% set to come back to United if Sir Alex had not retired. Patrice Evra, with an inter- in an interview with the Sunday Times uh, that came out today, with some very interesting uh, words. Yeah, so so Fergie failed to follow through on two key things, right? One was making sure Ronaldo had signed, and the other was making sure Rooney had signed for Chelsea. <laughs> yes, um, the Evra interview was very classic brilliant Patrice Evra he said like I'm giving this interview because I want the United fans to know why I left and he left because he thought he was unwanted by the club so he'd made a deal with Juventus then United tried to get him to stay and he sort of he had already given his word and he didn't feel he could go back on it and there was family matters that made him want to move away there is a man who does not want United fans to turn on him <laughs> there was a lot of PR spin and also um, apparently Ferguson singled him out as somebody to uh, look at as a future manager yeah well he, he said that he'd like to come back to England to manage might be a job going in the summer Paddy <laughs> I would at Chelsea I'd take Patrice Evra as United manager in a heartbeat, which is why it's a good job that I'm not in charge of these decisions. Indeed, indeed. Imagine, it would be fun. Imagine yeah, the joy. Although, you know, clearly we know nothing about his managerial abilities. So anyway, that was Middlesbrough. So United out of the Capital One Cup, that's one of two trophies United can realistically win, unless you really think that 
uh, will be putting in a title challenge. I, I looked at the odds, six to one is uh, about the best you can get, and that seems about right to me in a three-horse race. Um, and in Europe, there's zero chance United win this. I, I will eat any kind of hat you want if uh, if United win the Champions League. Record that or something. You just did record that. Very good. You literally, you literally just recorded literally it. Literally did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep a mental note. So, so there's one trophy left to go for. You know, the Manchester Senior Cup. No, wait there. The FA Cup. The FA Cup. And United have got to take that one seriously. We'll see. Although, as someone told said to me today, and and they might well have been right, Van Hull wasn't actually brought to the club to play entertaining football or, or indeed win trophies. Just needs to make sure United get into the Champions League and the dollars keep flowing in. Hmm, I think that might be the position of some people in the hierarchy of the club, but I suspect it's not the position of everyone in the hierarchy of the club. There are certainly people in positions of power and influence at Manchester United who uh, have their sights set on footballing success. Uh, so we've kind of sort of talked about the Palace game, but only in the very general sense, in a specific sense. But Alan Pardew said at the end of the game, this is really depressing when Alan Pardew's analysis of the game is like, well, it's a literal analysis, isn't it? But it was um, it was absolutely spot on. He He thought that his side kind of did more to deserve the victory. But he said he was asked about Van Gaal's style of play as it, it compares to previous United managers. And he was quite diplomatic. And he said, when you play that ultra patient football, you have to seize your moments and they weren't able to do that today. And that really is true, isn't it? It's really the case that United are relying on attacking excellence in key moments when you look at the numbers. Yeah. Because, you know, we're not been free scoring, but there have been plenty of games where we've scored a lot of goals and that kind of feels like a distant memory now. But, you know, it's not an exaggeration to say that it... I mean, it wouldn't be in any way shocking if we won 3-0 the next three games in a row, you know. It would be shocking if they were electric performances. Yeah, well, well, quite, yeah. Um, I think Pudgy's right. The, the other way of putting this is that Van Gaal is a results manager or he's playing a style of football that's about results. Uh, and uh, and not entertainment and, and the problem with that if the results aren't going your way and you're not willing to to open up the football and be loved for the football then you're in real trouble yeah absolutely uh, and 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 that's van Gaal's problem he's boxed himself into a into a corner now where united have to win games because it's not going to get prettier is it it could get it could get a bit prettier for sure because there was a period like um in the palace game the second half of the first half he mentioned that as being United's best period of the game. And it, and it really was. And actually some of that, you know, some of that possession football can be very attractive to watch and, and it can kind of look like it's building towards something. It's just that when the moment that you're building up to is a total flop, then everything feels magnified because there are so many passes in the build-up. But that doesn't mean you necessarily have to have less passes, fewer passes in the build-up for it to be interesting to watch football. I mean, we've talked about this loads, but like Pep Guardiola's Barcelona side was absolutely beautiful to watch. And they, I bet they topped all the backwards and sideways passes charts in their division at the time, you know? So look, there's some nuance to this, which is it's about the pace of passing, right? And and United are one-paced and very slow uh, and and Pep Guardiola's side was never one paced in the no, passing no. never 
Never. And and this is United's problem, right? So it is so slow even in the final third. And I mean, the only time really under Van Gaal has been a, a short period where it's it's kind of f- free-flowing. Well, that, that short period before United got spanked 5-3 at Leicester, right? Short period where it's a, a bit more open. One and a half games, though. Yeah, yeah short period. <laughs> yeah, it was very short. A- and then last spring where he played 4-3-3, you know? And it was utterly joyless of Van Gaal to... to you know, disrupt that formation when it was going well from United. I mean, Christ, the guy would suck the colour out of a rainbow, wouldn't he? Well, I, I you see, this is where I feel like there's there's a there's a, a, a comfy narrative there that this was Van Gaal sucking the fun out of it, but he didn't disrupt that formation. He kept trying to play that formation once Carrick had gone and there was no one able to... The only person that could play the holding midfield role effectively was Herrera and dropping him deep ruined all the nice tippy-tappy stuff up front you know no no no, but he's had he's had three months this season yeah absolutely this 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 season that's gone out the window that has because it's all about this defensive solidity and that this is the other thing that like there is a point to be made here you know Paul Scholes said he wouldn't particularly want to play against this team but he did also say you wouldn't want to play against this team and they are like they must be an absolute nightmare to play against because like they bore the life out of you. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, are they? Because I, I, I think, you know, sure, United keep the, the retainable, high, highest ball retention possession stats in the league, but create so few chances. Just so few shots on goal. Is that a nightmare for, to play against? I don't think so. It's all in front of you all the time, you know, and and most of the time, the, the way you deal with that is just play really narrow. We said it in the summer in the preview. Uh, I, I said that, you know, the way United were playing, there would be some some games where it was very difficult to break down the opposition. I mean, frankly, right now, not even getting into the space to even try breaking down the opposition. And to clarify, what I meant by a nightmare to play against is just that we're very difficult to beat. Like, you know, no one scores any goals against us. We've conceded one goal since that Arsenal drubbing. And that, that 20 minutes against Arsenal was genuinely atypical of the season. You know, Van Gaal got that one horrendously wrong. But generally speaking, we've conceded very few goals this season. You know, that's what I meant by difficult to play against. I don't mean that we're a handful to deal with, because uh, obviously we're not a handful to deal with, because uh, you just park the bus and you don't even have to park it particularly neatly. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, God, this is a dour podcast. This is the Louis van Gaal of podcasts. This is. Are you bored yet, people? Are you? I tell you, the other thing is, like, people say you could suck the fun out of anything. And, like, someone was like, oh, I wouldn't like to go to a party hosted by Louis van Gaal. Party hosted by Louis van Gaal would be absolutely amazing. It would be a total rage. You see him dancing on that canal boat at Amsterdam Gay Pride. You know, he's this, this man is... He's a party animal. The problem is there's some something gets lost in translation with the football. Um, should we take some Twitter questions? If we, I mean, this is not necessarily the best way to cheer everyone up, but, you know. Let's go for it. All right, talking of cheering, at CD5442 says, is this team worse and more boring than the 0405 Anas Horribilis? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I don't like to talk about 0405. It's, it's got a mental scar. That, yeah. that was a bad side going through a very bad period in a very bad period for the club yeah uh, so yeah that was not good I mean they were uh, weren't Middlesbrough involved in a, a heavy defeat around that sort of October <laughs> yes. November time I seem yeah, to remember I believe it was this week that year yeah yeah not not awesome that period and United knocked out the Champions League and stuff like that so that that wasn't great 
uh, and um, and you know obviously Chelsea were going all guns and stuff like that. But I'm not sure it was as dull as this. I think the one thing we can say for sure is you'd rather be in the position we're in now than the position we were in then, because right. because the squad is excellent now compared to what it was then. There's a few key gaps where we haven't got like really brilliant cover. But actually, the squad is pretty well catered for. There's very few positions in the pitch where it's a worry. You might want to worry about right back at the moment, given Matteo Damian's dreadful fall. What's happened to him? I know. At JB73 says, is the injury to Shaw a huge factor in our lack of goals, coupled with Damian's poor form on the right? Uh, yeah, it's definitely not helping. Uh, uh, Damian, that, that one's confusing. Is it? Is it to do with the fact that, I mean, people say like maybe Matter's not giving him a lot of cover, but... Actually, they work quite well together, Matter and Darmian. It looks like sort of a few bits of individual de- decision making. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I think he's been as bad as other people seem to think he's been. No, and Van Hal has hauled him off three times. You know, I mean, Christ, if you if you're having a bad game and uh, you get hauled off and your name's not Rooney, no. I mean, it's uh, look, it's uh, it's peculiar because every time he has a bad game, Van Hal pulls him off, and he's had a few, and he struggled a bit against pace, and he's made a few mistakes, and. Let's hope the form of the sort of early season comes back because he was very good, but he has faced some kind of quick and direct players, and that seems to be what he struggles against most. At Nasha underscore Hassan says, "Would we be in a better position? Not he doesn't mean league position. I think he means overall state. Um, if we were managed by someone else, obviously that depends on who the someone else is, doesn't it? But." I think there's definitely managers that would have us in a better state and definitely managers that would have us in a much worse state. Uh, I, you know, I maintain that whoever takes over from Van Gaal is going to have a lovely time of it because he's going to have an extremely well-drilled squad who presumably are going to be very excited about the prospect of being let off the leash a bit. Yeah, I, I, look, I couldn't give you a name of who would do a better job than Van Gaal right now. I, you know, in... in his record says that he will get United into a position where this club is winning again. And uh, he says it's a process that takes three years. I think the problem I have right now is that uh, maybe it takes a process of three years to get United back into a title-challenging team. That means after the summer, uh, presumably with some term- turnover of players and a bit more spending, United have a real go at it next season fair enough it does not take three years to produce a team that should play in a more exciting attacking manner it just does not um and he wasn't talking about that because he just doesn't give a crap about that um and he's blind to the uh the will of the fans well not blind to it but he cares only superficially at joe green he says does van gaal finally understand the fans frustration so the fans were singing you know we're man united we want to attack and all that and i was sat in the press conference afterwards kind of trying to work out whether to ask him about that or not and i just thought ah you know what i just I, i i really wanted i knew i was going to be writing about that because it was easily the most noteworthy thing about the game from a United's perspective was the sense that this was the one where that he really did lose a lot of goodwill. Um, uh, it was tangible. So I asked him, and you know, there was no apology whatsoever. He, in fact, sort of said this is one of two games this season where we've not been the better side away from home, which me and you were talking about that before the podcast, and it's just not true. So, you know... Even by Van Gaal's logic, it's not true. 
So yeah, I, I would say that he is definitely aware of the fans' frustration, but I don't think that you could say that he's he really understands it. I'm not sure it's true to say it's totally superficial his care for the fans. I, I think I think that he thinks that's who he's working for, you know. Um, but at Tom Byfield says this is one for you, Ed. Do you think Jesse Lingard is good enough to pin down a regular position in the team? Hard to say. So. He's, uh, he's a player I like. He's a player apparently who Van Hal likes a lot. Uh, and, you know, he's got lots of good attributes, plenty of pace. He's very disciplined. Um, he has scored goals at under 21 level and, and quite a few for Brighton as well. And so, and other places he's been on alone. So he's got some qualities. Um, if, if you'd, uh, which you didn't ask me, but if you'd asked me where I thought he would, he would turn into a, world-class sort of wide forward for United. I don't think so. Uh, I think he's got lots of qualities, but inherently he's just a younger Antonio Valencia, you know, just a little bit one-dimensional. Really? I find that to be a very surprising analysis of Lingard. I mean, he likes to do little flicks and tricks and stuff. And <laughs> so, did, so did Valencia five years ago. <laughs> okay, all right. And also, like, you say younger, also like a, a someone that's zapped him with a shrink ray compared to Valencia. Yeah, yeah. No, no, look, look my point is, you know, I, look, he's not the next Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, and uh, I think, you know, basically he's he's a bit more straightforward as a, a sort of wide forward um, than, than the player that is really going to excite. You, he, he's a he's a decent player, you know, and uh, we'll see where he goes from here. But he's he's finally managed to get a, a run in the first team. Um, you know, it's taken a very long time to do that. He's twenty two, um, and this is this is it, right? So if he if he's still on the fringes by the end of the season, he he might want to consider where he goes. Although I'm sure he wouldn't. At mufc sixty eight ninety nine oh eight underscore. Uh, Cymru Football Meister <laughs> that's a fantastic Twitter name um, says what is a goal <laughs> uh, yeah let's uh, let's talk about that one after next weekend's game next week next week's game against yeah. CSKA Moscow because I'm sure we'll see some at bifurcated underscore MBM says if Wayne Rooney plays well and contributes to United winning a game what year will I have travelled back to about 2011 uh, no just the other week against Club Bruges uh, so it's not so much what year you've travelled back to as what Belgium you've travelled back to. At Giggsy92, maybe giving away his uh, answer to this question, says Paddy Evra or Giggsy is our next manager. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I mean, choice, I mean, yeah. yes, great. We know nothing about the coaching abilities of either of them, though, do we? Well, we've heard a lot about Giggs uh, from various sources, which kind of brings us to this interesting dynamic that's happening at the moment because... At Tommy underscore CTS says, is the class of 92 Salford documentary refreshing insight, distasteful self-promotion or other brackets, please expand. And this is really interesting. So Barney Roney was talking to friend of the rank cast, Trisha, on Twitter the other day. And he said that Skulls' attack on Van Gaal of all the things it's doing, it kind of, it's like um, Fergie, class of 92, good, exciting, dramatic, new, boring, non-class of 92, United, boring, stayed, unexciting, you know. And uh, there's an interesting thing going on in the relationship between the class of 92 and the club, especially given one of them's right at the heart of it. Yes, difficult position for Giggsy, isn't it? So you've got Gary Neville, who has been a bit critical of United, but not overly critical. Definitely not been critical of Wayne Rooney. Interesting, that one. And you've got Scholes, who's been a bit more forthright. 
Phil Fizz has not really said a lot, but and and then Giggs is sort of in the middle. You know, they they came together after Moyes. Uh, there's clearly a long term plan for them to be part of part of United. Um, they're they're together in. Uh, running Salford FC, they're doing building projects through Manchester. They've got a cafe and a restaurant and a hotel and yada yada yada. You know they they are clearly in in various projects for the long run. And I guess one of those projects eventually will be United. I mean the um, so they they've had mixed PR in the last few weeks. They did a very nice thing with their hotel, which had people squatting in it talking about you know the housing crisis and stuff like this and they said stay for the winter it's a very smart good pr and and probably because they're not you know horrific human beings as well that definitely probably helps um the sulfur did you watch the sulfur documentary no i haven't seen it oh okay that's interesting it is an it's an interesting program there's definitely a controlled element to it it's interesting to see the way they're portrayed in that show. It's it's different to, you know, the actual Class of 92 documentary, which is a sort of, you know, a deliberately rose-tinted spectacles piece, as well it should be, you know, because it's about it's about something absolutely perfect, you know. Whereas this isn't about something perfect. This is about something where there's actually quite a lot of murky waters in it. You know, the Salford project, they, they changed the colour of the shirt, they changed a the badge, they brought in a billionaire investor uh, who, you know, then is also the co-owner of a club that United could potentially face in the Champions League and Giggs is, you know, certainly certainly a club United could do transfer dealings with and Giggs is assistant manager of United and an owner of Salford and, you know, it's... Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, isn't Peter Lim involved with... Valencia as well. Yeah, that's is that Sorry. not what I said? No. I think I, what did I say? You said a club in the Champions League. Oh, th- that's who I meant. Oh, I meant okay. Valencia. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, absolutely. Where where Phil Neville happens to be assistant manager. Yeah, it's it's all very incestuous, isn't it? Uh, Salford versus United, third round in the FA Cup. Uh, Salford still in the FA Cup? No, uh, I know this because of the documentary. They spoiler warning: they get knocked out in the first episode. Ah. You should watch it, it though; it's really good and interesting. I, I, I will do. Just not had the time. Yeah, I do plan to. FC United play uh, Monday week, don't they? Very, very angry about um, being uh, their um, their fixture being moved for television protested mm. to the FA who told them they uh, had to do it and then told them they had to set prices higher than their normal prices yeah. as well. Which the club are going to cover, right? That's how they're going to handle that. That's right. Well, they actually got agreement from uh, Chesterfield to reduce the price. So in the end, instead of giving a voucher, which is what they were going to do, they they, they are now charging nine quid to right. go to the game. And, you know, Salford and FC United are very different. Yeah. It's a very different picture. Salford is... Can't help thinking Salford's a business proposition to a certain extent. And the kind of self-promotion side of it, in a way, I think, you say shameless self-promotion, Tom Tom mentioned that in the question, and I think, well, why should they be ashamed of promoting what they're doing? You know, why, why should they be ashamed of that? I'm not sure it's a, a matter of, to use shame as a kind of concept because you know no right no look look they've they've got a bunch of business propositions they they are multiple millionaires in the tens of millions not the hundreds or billions right so they are starting at one end of their their um you know investment cycle path journey um and uh, i'm sure the idea is to get uh, even more fabulously wealthy from their various projects. Salford might be a might be one of those projects. I mean, they've talked about getting um, high into the football league, haven't they? 
Um, and and that would uh, do very nicely for them if they managed it. Cost a lot as well. That old joke about how do you make a small fortune out of football? Start start with a large one. Well, they've kind of done that though, haven't they? And that's they brought Peter Lim in, who has got a know, large one. Yeah, covers covers that side of things. Um, yeah, but it's all it's all interesting, and and that whole dynamic is going to be fascinating to watch play out. And I think lots of people make lots of very grand statements about what they think is going on behind the scenes in that, but I don't think anyone really knows where Gig stands on Van Gaal, where Skulls and Gig stand on the kind of relationship between Skulls and Van Gaal now. You know, mm. um, which has obviously been but, really sour. But do we have any doubt that if the opportunity presents itself? Giggs will definitely stab Van Hull in the back. <laughs> I mean, let's not doubt that. He, he might he might be soft and cuddly on the outside, but he's uh, he's very steeled on the inside. Uh, he uh, he 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 knifed David Moyes good and proper, didn't he? D- David Moyes, by the way, who still hasn't been sacked at Real Sociedad, even though they're uh, one place off the relegation zone, lost at the weekend to Celta Vigo. A couple of people said they enjoyed us doing a little bit of general Premier League chat uh, last time, so very briefly, someone who hasn't also hasn't been sacked yet is uh, Jose Mourinho. Lost again. What is going on there? Yeah, paper stories about this are brilliant. So there are serious papers. He's definitely being sacked and he'll be out before the the midweek Champions League game. Uh, He's got two games in order to save his job. There's zero chance that Roman Abramovich will sack him. And they've already agreed the £9.5 million payoff. I've read all four of those. And they're all very certain about it. So I have no idea what's actually going to happen there. But yeah, Chelsea, a sixth loss of the Premier League campaign and a really brutal one as well. I mean, Liverpool um, Liverpool were the better side throughout. Better side in the first half and it was one all and much better side in the second half. So annoying. <laughs> annoying. Oh, Klopp. I'll get over it at some point. A funny thing with Klopp is that he used to be quite neat at Dortmund and uh, he now looks like a kind of tramp that's been living in Stanley Park for four or five days. I think that is the height of uh, confirmation bias to suggest that he was quite neat at Dortmund. Plenty of times he was a massive scruff bag at Dortmund as well. Whatever, whatever. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, so, and other things are also happening in the Premier League, but most of them seem to involve Leicester for some reason. So who knows? It's all ridiculous. Yeah, J- J- Jamie Vardy. He better not break Rude's ten games in a row record. That would be unacceptable. Would definitely be unacceptable. The other thing that's unacceptable is United's upcoming nil-nil draw versus Sunderland in about three weeks' time. Uh, after they they, lo- they <laughs> oh. lost six-two at Everton this weekend. That's a, that they are not a good football team. That's Allardyce. How how does an Allardyce team get beaten six-two? I didn't think such things were even possible. Um, so United have got fixtures coming up, right? Uh, do indeed. CSKA Moscow, Old Trafford uh, in midweek and then West Bromwich Albion at the weekend. Yeah, so we're a bit more familiar with CSK than we were last time we previewed a game with them um, uh, because of how um, we played them uh, and that meant looking up stuff about them and of course we saw them in action and, and they that first half they were extremely dangerous on the counter-attack. Mario Fernandez gave... Anthony Martial a very hard time um, and United really struggled to contain but then they got totally on top of that game uh, in the second half and I would argue that that second half um, apart from Everton was probably the best we've played for the rest of the calendar month of October. Yeah, probably true, yeah. And and actually you'd expect the pattern of the game on Wednesday to be very similar. 
right? So United will have a loss of the ball and and CSKA, who are a side known for playing well on the break, will play on the break and they've got some, definitely got some pacey players that could cause United problems. But you'd think it'd be a very different game. You'd think at Old Trafford that United's dominance would pay. The question is, can we break them down and actually score a goal? And I, I think like the the... The, the team has clearly got goals in it. You know, it was only a couple of weeks ago that we were absolutely free scoring, you know, four weeks ago. And and the, I can't help thinking that this kind of extreme reaction to the last three weeks is, is really about the bubbling underlying frustration of the style of play over the last season and a half. And this is just like a, a, a very, this is the worst of it. So it's a kind of good stick to beat Van Gaal with. Um, when people were really fed up with him anyway, sort of thing. But he was winning, so they could. There wasn't an outlet for that. Um, so I can't help thinking this this few weeks is going to end up looking a bit like a blip uh, when you look at our fixture list. Maybe that is too optimistic, as something I've frequently accused of being. Um, but you know, the fixture list does on paper get easier from here on out. Yeah, well, I mean, there are definitely tough games to come, but uh, the next six games are winnable. CSKA, West Brom, Watford, Leicester, West Ham and PSV, right? So, I mean, some tough games in there, but look, it's not Barcelona in the Champions League final in 2009, right? You know, put it into perspective. It's, <laughs> um, there are six games that United could win, so we could be having a very different conversation in a week's time. Let's hope we are, eh? Um, and I, I don't think it's going to be nil-nil and one-nils all the way from here until the end of the season. There will be times when United score, but I don't think the general pattern of play is going to change that much either. And and the big thing that needs to happen, the really ballsy thing that Van Gaal needs to do is, is you know what he needs to do. Yeah. Uh, it needs to play four three three, right? Am I right? You're right. You're right. Uh, I mean, that would help too, right? Those these are the Sam Ty from Bleach Report wrote an article saying Van Hal needs to do two things, and one is drop Rooney, and the other is play four three three. And he, he certainly has the players to do that because that will give him the chance to to play Schweinsteiger and Schneiderlin and Herrera or Matter or both. Um, both probably matter sort of wider right and Herrera and matter combining and and Martial up front and Depay or Young on the left, right? And suddenly you've got a proper sort of Dutch style 4-3-3 with the right balance in midfield and it would look a lot nicer. Yeah, can't help thinking that's the case and I can't help thinking we might not see that. But, but the other thing is that generally speaking, when there's a big, if you think about the whole time Van Gaal's been at United, people have got really annoyed with him for doing something for slightly too long and then he's changed and generally done what the general type of conversation wants him to do went from playing free at the back eventually just gave up on that because it clearly wasn't working went with the kind of diamond that people were asking for brought Herrera into the side again this season brought Herrera back into the side and the the big outcry was around about about that so actually I wouldn't be totally shocked if in a month or two we are seeing 4-3-3 without Rooney in the team I also uh, wouldn't be shocked if Rooney never gets dropped unless he gets injured. Yeah. Um, let, let's see. Let's let's follow. Well, I, I was going to say let's follow this as the season goes on. Clearly, we're going to follow this as the season <laughs> goes on. I wonder if the narrative is not that Rooney gets accommodated this season and uh, then after his... Um, oh, we haven't talked about this. After his testimonial, hard-earned Dwayne, and uh, in early August, he gets shunted off to Everton. But this is where I... Uh, think the conversation about Rooney's current form 
is really negatively tainting the testimonial conversation because why on earth shouldn't a player who has like whatever happened with the the transfer the well you've just answered your own question there mate but i mean <laughs> I, you know rio ferdinand yeah yeah had a big contractual kerfuffle uh, roy keane had a big co- contractual kerfuffle and and they both got well-deserved testimonials and Rooney has like given his whole career to United and it's not like he's trying to pocket the cash or anything. He's it, No, no, sure. I, I don't see why he doesn't deserve one, really. No, no well, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's two things. It's it's the, the current narrative around Rooney and, and him being that abysmal um, and and the fact that twice he's he's done a little bit more than Rude and Keane and others have done and and pretty much agreed a transfer. Uh, um, so you know you know look if if Chelsea'd come in with a bid that United had accepted or if United had accepted the bid Rooney would have agreed a contract within hours, right? There wouldn't be months of negotiation. So it, it was done and same with City in 2010. So that's why it feels a bit like uh, you know. But I I I just think that there's been enough water under the bridge since the city one and that the Chelsea one was 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 very different and actually given the way that Ferguson treated him in his last season was pretty reasonable for Bruni to say well okay I'll go somewhere else then if you don't you know if I'm not an important part of this team I want to spend my last years as an important part of a team somewhere you know, uh, yeah, it, it was a good plan all round. <laughs> Spoiled by David Moyes. So, look, anyway, look, ser- seriously, I don't mind that he's got a, a testimonial, but I can understand why there might be a, a few cynical comment- comments on uh, on Twitter and elsewhere. I, I, I also understand why there are cynical comments, but I think that there's also, there does need to be a opposition voice to that cynicism that says, here is a player who has given United fans a lot of really, really, really fantastic moments, you know, so. West Brom are probably not going to give United fans many fantastic moments, although a player who is beloved and would have no problem getting a testimonial will be playing for them uh, in Darren Fletcher. Their results are the kind of mixed bag that you would expect. They concede quite a lot more goals than you would be expecting for a Pulis side, but there's an awful lot of nils in their results as well. Last season's, this version of the fixture last season was as bad as anything else that's been served up under Van Gaal. That was the game of Fellaini up front with uh, Van Persie and Rooney behind him. Yes, it was a total mess, that one. Yeah, yeah, a real mess. Which isn't normally the accusation with Van Gaal, but yeah, that was... That was not good. West Brom, yeah, they're you know they're mid table and they win some and they lose some. You know, lost at the weekend to Leicester, uh, as everyone is doing at the moment, it seems, and, and um, had a couple of victories before that. So it will be an interesting game. But Old Trafford, uh, you wouldn't expect West Brom to do much. But then you know it's just it's the same old, right? Can United break out of this this kind of slow, slow, slow? Passing up front uh, and score enough goals, but West Brom are a bit of a sieve. They're they're not as agricultural as as previous Pulis sides. They're not as in your face, so um, I wouldn't expect too much trouble from them. No, and a couple of wins on a bounce and everything looks a little bit rosier, doesn't it? Especially if they can put some half decent functioning football together. So yeah, October is over. It was a very tough test, and we said at the beginning of October that we'd know more about where United are. 
um, the five things we've learned from this month wouldn't be pretty, would they? Um, I think maybe you could argue that a sort of defensive solidity and organisation uh, hasn't been destroyed by that Arsenal game. Morgan Schneiderlin's done himself no harm this month. I, I gave him player of the month in uh, my Bleach Report write-up of that. Um, I thought he was... Uh, very good a number of times for us. Right, yep, yep. I think this month. he's and, grown, definitely, definitely grown. And Chris Morling has been excellent all the way through, obviously, now. That's just... That doesn't need to be said. Nope. Um, but yeah, we need uh, we need November to be uh, Golvember, more like. Yeah, and I think it will be good, you know. I, I, CSKA, West Brom, Watford, PSV. I think United will win four out of four there. And then we go to Leicester and they'll put six past us or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're not going to beat Leicester away. It's just not going to happen. That, that'll that be the game in which Jamie Vardy scores his 15th goal in 15 games. <laughs> At least it's not the game where he can beat Rude's record. Maybe we'll, like, just bore Leicester fans to sleep. Oh, it was very... I was sat um, in this, like, press overflow box thing, which was a mixture of press and uh, Crystal Palace friends and family uh, seats. What big time journalists like you not getting a proper press seat? L- lol, at big time journalists like me. But the uh, the the chap sat next to me was a Palace fan, and I uh, he said about I don't know forty minutes in went just a bit flat, isn't it? And it's like welcome to watching Man United. He said, "Where's the old Man United?" I said, "That's gone. That's long, long gone." But Pardew said, um, "Palace. He needs the Palace fans to be with the side because uh, United are a team that can suck the atmosphere out of a stadium." I know. I think he was actually talking about the possession football, but <laughs> yeah. yes, dot dot dot. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, I actually think look, we we've been quite negative about this podcast. So let's uh, on this podcast, not about this podcast, so other people can be negative about. The <laughs> yeah, podcast. no doubt. That's coming. Yeah, no doubt. But I think we've got some better stuff to look forward to because November and December do not look too bad at all, you know, uh, at all. We finished the, I was going to say, we finished the, league, the the year with a tough game, but it's at home to Chelsea, so we don't finish the year with a tough game. Uh, <laughs> Jose will be out of a job and Moisey will be in at Stamford Bridge. Um, so that, that could be fun. So November and December do not look too bad. At all, so I, I think you know we we can look forward to some better times ahead, and and hopefully some more positive podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it hasn't all been total disaster. We've got quite a few points out of this difficult month. It's just the way we've got them hasn't been pretty. Um, so hopefully, better things ahead. Uh, we'll uh, hopefully you've somehow enjoyed listening to this, found it cathartic or something. Uh, not not something I particularly enjoy spending uh, an hour and a bit doing a really grumpy podcast. Um, thank you very 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 much to everyone that's. Uh, um, come and said hello at games and stuff and, and said they like listening to podcasts it's uh, really 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 lovely um, thanks to everyone that's got in touch on Twitter and said nice things uh, every, every time someone says uh, something nice about the Rankcast it makes it makes it worth really feel super worth doing so uh, thank you very much to everyone uh, who's done that very good well in, enjoy United's two victories to five and six nil victories this week but <laughs> Go on then, before we close the show, predictions for CSKA and West Brom. I keep forgetting to do this as well, so thank you very much, producer Tom, at Teach Sound on Twitter. Uh, without him, the Rankcast definitely wouldn't exist. Anyway, uh, two predictions, 2-1 uh, against CSK Moscow to us, and 3-0 against West Brom. <laughs> it's just silly, isn't it? That's just silly. Uh, so I'm going to predict 1-0 versus CSKA, two United, uh, and 2-0 versus West Brom. Very good. Okay. That's 
That's two thirds as silly as what I went with. Two thirds as silly. Two thirds as silly. Okay, well, everyone, enjoy the week's football, and we'll be with you in a week's time. <laughs>